we're going to talk about four things today. One, we're going to talk about loneliness, okay? Two, we're going to talk about growth versus evolving. Three, I'm going to talk about what I learned in my couples therapy session today. Michelle and I, uh, uh, Michelle is my girlfriend. Uh, we have a couple therapy sessions every three months. Now, in the beginning, it was every week. <laughs> and now we do it every three months. And then uh, four, I'm going to talk about lessons learned from Jay-Z. I'm going to try to squeeze all that in in an hour uh, or less than an hour. Let's see how we do. So let's talk about loneliness. I realize I have been struggling with loneliness lately, and it it's it's and so if you don't know what loneliness is, it's basically this wanting to connect, but your brain somehow hijacks you in those moments that you have to connect, and then you, I end up going into self-preservation or self-protection mode. Okay, so. How that looks is I was at a bookstore yesterday. So before I talk about the bookstore, I've been expressing to my friends, family, girlfriend, the, the fact that where I live in San Diego, it's like I haven't found my boys yet. I haven't found my tribe, my group, uh, people to, to do things with and talk trash with. And I've been trying to get that fixed at like the barber shop and, you know, through therapy and, and uh, uh, some of the... Uh, Zoom groups that I've created and, and been attending, but I need that in-person, that real-life connection, that bonding. And and Michelle is awesome, and we have amazing conversations, but she can't feed all of my needs uh, conversationally. They're, they're just things that, yes, we could talk about it, but, you know, it, there's nothing like someone who grew up with the music, the food, the time, and all that stuff, you know, so finding that that tribe of, of people. Um, so I'm at the bookstore yesterday, and this guy comes up to me, just starts talking to me. He's like, hey, man, you know, what kind of books you got there? And I had four books in my hand, and uh, one of them was uh, a book of uh, the greatest love letters, because I love to read Michelle love stories or some type of bedtime story at, at bedtime, right? It's, it's part of our bonding uh, exercise. And, you know, I, I tell him, I was like, yeah, I got these four books. And I'm explaining it to him. He's like, wow, that's a very eclectic group of books. And he's like, yeah, I'm looking for a book for my, my, my sister, uh, you know, some books for myself, but some for my sister. And it's her birthday and yada, yada, yada. And the whole time I'm standing there like, what's this kid's angle? What does he want? Why is he bothering me? What is he up to? Is he is he gonna like go into a sales pitch about church or religion or um, you know I, I did I didn't know why it, the 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 approach the the open the 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 need to say something to me and I found myself completely guarded and keeping a distance and not wanting to make eye contact and giving him kind of one-word answers. And then I walked away, and later I was like, oh, my God, i just been telling the universe how much of a need for connection I've been seeking, how much I've been looking for, you know, a bunch of guys to just sit and play cards with, 
talk trash to, hang out with. And the universe provided, and I shot it down. And this is not the first time I've done that. It's not the first time. I've done that a few other times. And I haven't sourced what the fear is, like what I'm protecting. You know, and I've, I've, I've shared some things in my, in my therapy session. There's a, a fear of rejection of, you know, what if I say, hey, man, you want to hang out? want to be best? Because cause the, the, there was a part of me inside that was so excited to like, oh, do I have a new friend? Like, I was like a little puppy dog inside. But externally, I was this stoic rock, this monolith, this this glacier. And I understand the need to protect my nine-year-old self because my nine-year-old self had been through a few things, some betrayals, some uh, uh, abandonment, some rejection, uh, even humiliation. And it's it's and now because I'm holding on to that, it's preventing my growth. It's keeping me stuck in this identity of loneliness, of uh, in this story of not being able to connect. So I'm sharing this with you because a lot of times, you know, we may find that the thing that we are complaining about or that bothers us, like the the solutions have been presented to us, and for some reason, we are getting in our own way. Uh, you know, there's uh, uh, there's this uh, YouTube video about the four fears, and and I think I even did a, a podcast episode on this. But basically, the the four main fears are fear of rejection, fear of ruin, fear of responsibility, and then fear of I forget what the fourth <laughs> I forget what the fourth one is. But there are four fears, and uh, and and I think that. Part of it was a fear of, of ruin, like I would be, uh, you know, if I let somebody in, if I connect with somebody, somehow they would ruin me emotionally. I'd suffer like some type of heartbreak um, that I wouldn't be able to recover from. And so, I, you know, if you experience that, you know, dig deep. You know, this is where journaling uh, becomes powerful. And we're going to talk a bit more about journaling later on. But, but that's where that becomes powerful for you to kind of explore what the block is and, and, but at, and at the very least become aware of it. Because sometimes you may not even be aware of how you're blocking your own blessing, how you're getting in your own way, how the mountain is you. So, you know, take time to explore that and and I just want to share that with you. So, which brings me to my next uh, topic, which is growth versus uh, uh, evolving. Because here's what I've learned. We can grow, but that doesn't mean that we are evolving. And here's what I mean. Uh, you know, every year parents will check to see how tall their child is becoming. Oh, you you were five feet uh, a year ago. Now you're five one, and now you're five two. So that kid is growing, right? And and you may look in your bank account, and that number is growing. You you were making, you know, fifty grand last year. Now you're making seventy grand, and now you're making uh, you know, and then you'll project it to make eighty grand. So you see growth. Growth 
does not equal evolving. And, and what I mean is you can be growing, but it doesn't mean that you're learning anything. It doesn't mean that you're developing or creating or generating something that is uh, meaningful or worthwhile or that um, will become self-sustaining at some point, right? Like a, a company can experience growth in terms of customers. They're serving 1,000 more customers this month. And then next month, they're going to uh, you know, serve 3,000 more. But if the company doesn't evolve, if, if they don't look at, okay, our current business model uh, will, is not going to be able to feed uh, 10,000 customers if they come in. So that means we have to evolve as a company. That means maybe we have to open up another store and we have to figure out how to scale our operation. Maybe we have to cut back on uh, some things or order more products or go from being product-focused to being uh, sales-focused or go from being sales-focused to marketing. Like, what does the next evolution have to be so that we can continue to grow, right? Because if you're only growing but not evolving, then you're going to hit a ceiling and then find yourself receding backwards and falling backwards. And so, you know, the uh, case in point would be, another case in point would be in work, where maybe you're getting promoted. You're getting, you went from cook to cashier to manager, maybe general manager. But because it, it maybe it happened so fast for you that you didn't really learn anything at any of those steps. So now you have this very important job where you're overseeing all these different people, but because you haven't evolved, you haven't learned really what each one of those jobs entails and what the, the, the company needs to uh, for the next five years, for the next 10 years, and then you haven't learned how to manage people in all that time, and you haven't learned how to get people to buy into your vision and then execute on that, if you haven't evolved, you're going to lose that job. And same thing in a relationship, right? Where, you, oh, this is great that, you know, you and, and your significant other are, you know, maybe you're, you're growing in terms of you're traveling to new places, you, you bought a new house, now you have kids, but there has to be some level of where you are evolving. And this comes to me out of the book, the Botany of Desire by Michael Pollan, where he talks about how uh, pests and plants. So over time, plants evolve. Like they don't, they don't, they're not growing the same kind of plant every generation. The plant is a is a little this, is a little more this, a little less that every generation. It's continuing to evolve as a plant. And what helps it evolve is that the pests are evolving, right? Because the pests come in and they try to eat at the plant and, and destroy it and kill it. But because the, the plant is evolving, the pests can't destroy and kill it. But what the pests do is, uh, is spread the seed and the pollen of the plant so that the plant can continue to propagate and proliferate, right? Now, because we've been spraying um, the plants with so many pesticides and growing the same kind of plant over and over and 
in labs, right? We we create we're creating these uh, mono. I think it's monoliths. I forget what it, what he says, but basically, when you're just growing one type of plant or one type of fruit, like you know, I love Honeycrisp apples, and that's all you see at the grocery store. A Honeycrisp. You see the Granny Smith, and there's like one other type of apple. But there are thousands of types of apples. But those are the only three apples that we are continuing continuing to grow over time. So because we're growing the same apples, the apples are not evolving. They're growing, not evolving. But the pests are evolving. So the pests are getting stronger, and now they're able to attack and eat more of the plants and, and, uh, and fruit. And so now we have to spray the plants and, uh, and, and, and fruit with more pesticides because the pests are getting stronger and the plants and fruit are not evolving. And so to tie this into you is your thoughts can feel like pests, right? You had those same ruminating thoughts of, you know, whether it's to end your life or to do something harmful to yourself or, or someone else or whatever that, that pesty, that pesky, pesty, <laughs> that pesto, uh, whatever the pesky thought is that is constantly bombarding you and attacking you and, and, and breaking you down, um, it, it's, it's going to become stronger and more effective if we as individuals don't find ways to not just grow, but evolve. And, and evolving in, as, as an individual means that we're embarking on new and novel adventures and, and ways of thinking. We're feeding our minds. You know, like, you know, like I said, I was at the bookstore and I had four books, and they were all on different subject matters. One was uh, uh, Great Love Letters. Another one was on the power of uh, people gathering. Another one was about the universe. And I forget what the fourth one was. Um, but, but they were all on different subject matters. And so that's a way to keep my thoughts and ideas evolving so that I can be of service to you and I can, I can feel nourished. And also, it's a way to give my life purpose, right? To, to take in these new concepts and ideas and then find a way to channel it in a way that's digestible for uh, other people. Um, and also, I enjoy it. I enjoy learning about new things, right? So ask yourself, are you growing and evolving or are you just growing? And you may find that you're not growing or evolving. And so what would that take what would that look like for you to not just grow, but evolve, to transform? You know, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Jay-Z here in a second because he's an example. Uh, when you look at these rappers who were, uh, they were poor, they grew up very poor in their projects, right? So that was, that was one iteration of them. And then they started making money by selling drugs, okay, there's, there's, you know, I hate to call it growth and evolving, but on some levels it is. The universe doesn't judge how you're doing it. It just, it's just, you know, it's just looking at what is. And so that's, all right, so now they're making money. Yes, it's illegal, but they're making money. And then the next iteration is 
They, they go into rapping, and that's how they're making money. Okay, that's another level of evolving. So that's growth and evolving. And then they take rapping, and then they become business acumen. So you see Jay-Z going from poor, not having shoes on his feet, to be selling drugs, to then becoming a rapper. And then he actually um, is, is now a, a considered a businessman, right? Because now he's into art. He's into the, uh, you know, he's talking about the Louvre and traveling and investing and being, uh, and, uh, you know, having startups and also starting his own company, et cetera, et cetera. So, and now he's a father. He's a, he's a husband. So he's continually to e- continuing to evolve as a person. And even what he associates himself with when he was young, he was associating himself with the streets and rappers and, 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 and street people. And, and then as he got a little older, he started associating himself with uh, the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and, and all these billionaires, right? And, and now he's associating himself with uh, artists like uh, Basquiat and, uh, you know, Michelangelo and, and all these different artists. Uh, more, he's linking himself more with black um, artists, but but he is continually to continuing to evolve who he's associating himself with, who he's partnering with, and the message that he's putting out there. When you listen to his albums, Jay Z, um, they continue to evolve in subject matter. Where you take a guy like Nas, right, and, um, where every album is about living on the streets and 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 politics and race. And I'm like, where's the growth there, Nas? Because I know that you, I know that he as a person has evolved. So look at your life and ask, are you growing but not evolving? Or are you, are you uh, not doing either one of those? And, and what do you need to do to, to both grow and evolve? And, and, and a part of that could be a part of evolving uh, could mean stepping back. When we look at Jay-Z, you know, that moment where he went from wanting to be a businessman uh, and not just a rapper, he actually had to step back from rapping. So there might be an area in your life where you're growing and you may find that even though there's growth there, you might have to step back from it, let it go completely so that you can build something else and then merge again with that later on, which is what he did. He stepped back from rapping after having a very successful rap career. He, he retired so that he could focus on business. And then once he got the business in a position that he wanted to, he came back to rapping. And so now we, we see this evolution of Jay-Z as a rapper. And if you if you want to know more about Jay Z, there's a very good book called uh, Empire State of Mind, and then there's another book called uh, Jay Z Made in America. So you know, even if you're not into rap, it's not about if you're into rap or not. It's just more about what are the lessons that we can learn from other people's lives that we can then incorporate into our life. All right, so now I want to jump into my therapy session that I had this morning. And it was interesting 
how the uh, the topic seemed to be about feedback. And there was a lot that we covered today. So I'm going to try to distill this uh, down for us. Uh, so one of the things that came up was feedback. And here's what I mean. The importance of feedback and revisiting things. When I go on trips for work, for comedy, for whatever, um, sometimes I'm gone for three weeks and Michelle is home and, you know, we have to find ways to connect so that I'm not coming back and it, it doesn't feel like we're starting all over again. So in my previous trip, when I left for three weeks, I wrote a bunch of cards and, uh, you know, letters and, and cards, and then I left them around the house. When I say bunch, I mean five. So I, I bought five cards. I, I put notes in every single one of them. And then I left them around the house as a scavenger hunt for Michelle. And every week or every few days, I would text her a clue if she couldn't find uh, a card. And this was a way of letting her know that, one, I was not on, I'm not only thinking about you while I'm away, but I thought about you before I even left. And, and here's a fun way for us to connect and for me to uh, leave you a message. And, um, and so that was beautiful. So here's the feedback part. Because she would find the cards and then, you know, she would text me a photo when she found it and send me a little heart and a thank you. Um, but what I realized what I needed once I got back was for her at some point to say, hey, you know, this this card right here really spoke to me. And um, and I'm so glad you wrote this, and here's what it meant to me, and, um, and, and thank you for taking the time to do that. I needed for her to revisit the effort that I put in and let me know how it landed for her. Let me know what her experience of it was. I, I, I definitely appreciate her taking a photo and sending it to me and, and with a little heart emoji and, and saying thank you. But I also realized I would have cherished for her to bring it up again later. A lot of times what we are very good at is bringing up the negative stuff later, right? Remember that time when you blah, blah, blah. Remember that time when you blah, blah, blah. But how often do we say, hey, remember that time when you took the time to hold space for me? I, I really cherish that. Remember that time when you brought me breakfast in bed? That really meant a lot. Remember that time when you stayed on the phone with me for an hour and just let me babble on? I I really needed that, and and I know that, you know, you had other things to do, and it was late at night, and I just want to say thank you again. That that meant a lot to me. So, we can bring up old stuff <laughs> as long as it's those moments that we cherished, those moments that were nourishing, those moments that fed us, that were soothing and calming and validating, and reassuring. We can bring up those moments. And so I, I needed that kind of feedback from her. And, and even sexually, okay? Um, 
in the bedroom. And this is so valuable because once again, like I said, I want to talk about how we can thrive as a people. And a lot of times I feel like sexually or in, 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 in terms of intimacy, uh, there's not a lot of communication or understanding about how we operate. And what we discovered today is Michelle values words. That is her, her true love language. And so she loves when I leave her voice memos or write a car tour, or it's the words that I say that are more important than what we do in the bedroom. It's about what is said outside of the bedroom, where in my head I'm thinking about what we're doing in the bedroom, and she's like, no, 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 it's, it's what you say to me outside the bedroom throughout the day that uh, d- determines you know, the, the level of passion and intensity that we have in the bedroom. And I realized for me, it's not the case. What's valuable to me uh, is feedback in terms of sound. I'm not, you know, I, I think a lot of guys get pigeonholed into the visual and, and visual is definitely important for me. But what's m- most important to me um, in terms of building intimacy and connection is sound. So I love the sound of, of intercourse, of us being together, so much so that I don't like to play uh, slow jams. I don't like music during lovemaking. I don't want, I don't want like a, a fan going on. I don't need, uh, I don't even need candles or scents. Every, I want to absorb us centrally like I want to I want to smell her I don't want to smell patchouli or vanilla sky or uh mint julep mint julep (laughs) I I want to smell her I want to smell us and I, I want to I want to feel us right and so I know like a lot of couples are bringing all these different things into the bedroom and it's like I don't want to feel rubber or plastic, or this or that, what I want to experience is us. And so sounds are so important to me. And, and, and so I want you to take the time to notice, like, what is it that is really important to you? What do you really value? What really lights you up? What really excites you? What really turns you on? And I don't just mean in the bedroom, but I'm just talking about in life, right? Like there's a, re- like, you know, sounds, like when I drive, I don't like to have the radio on or a podcast on. I like to hear the sound of the road. I like to hear the sound of the wind going by. Uh, even in the sounds of, you know, cars honking. I want to hear the city, right? And so to to be aware of like, what sensory experience really lights you up and, and how you can feed more into that and then also what's blocking that? What's in the way of you experiencing senses the way you, that, that you want to? And, um, and so, you know, so that was, that was part of it. You know, we, we talked about feedback and we talked about the revisiting. Oh, and so this ties me into journaling, Okay. The power of journaling, especially at the end of your day, 
is that it gives you a chance to give yourself feedback. It gives you a chance to revisit moments of your day or of your uh, of your week or whatever so that you can take the time to pat yourself on the back one to to pause to to reflect three and to plan four but most importantly it gives you that opportunity to uh to give yourself the feedback that you want the validation that you need to also give yourself the space to think about things in an objective way so the thoughts and ideas and emotions and feelings aren't all just piling up into a corner and then exploding at the wrong time. So take, and and even if you only journal for five minutes at night, freestyle journaling, just free flow, don't let the pen leave the pad. Just let it go and, and see what flows out of you. You know, there's so many journals with journal prompts. I'm actually working on one right now. Uh, but journal prompts or uh, story starters. You can even do, if you're uncomfortable with journaling, even, um, you know, getting a book with story starters and finding your way in like that. Because I want to tell you, here's the power of story. And, and here's how I applied it to our couples therapy session today. Um, you know, there was a, a, a lull in the session. And so I, I said to the therapist, I said, you know, I'm reading The Fountainhead by uh, Anne Rand. Ayn Rand, I don't know how to pronounce her name. And there's a, a part in the book where this character named Rourke is an architect. I'm not giving anything away, but he builds a house for this guy named Henry. And Henry says, oh, my God, this house is amazing. Thank you for thinking of me. You really were thoughtful in thinking of me when you built this house. And when you designed this house, and I built it, designed. That's what the architects do. And Rourke says, I wasn't thinking of you. I was thinking about the house. And it really stood out to me because when I read relationship books, they, they say in a relationship, there's you, there's the other person, and there's the relationship. And sometimes we have to think about the relationship over ourselves or even the other person. And so I brought this up in couples therapy today. I said, you know, I read this, I'm reading this book, and, and there was this passage, this back and forth, and I repeat, you know, I shared it with her. And I said, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think about this idea of thinking about the house instead of the person and thinking about the relationship instead of Michelle? Like, how does that play in? And she said, here's, it's, she goes, it's so important to recognize the moments where putting the relationship first is more important than putting the person first. Okay? I'm going to repeat that again. Putting the relationship first is more important than putting the person first. Because what can happen sometimes if we put the person first, the other person first before the relationship and before ourselves, is that resentment can build up, right? Resentment can build up, and then we end up exploding or ending the relationship. 
So here's an example. Here's an example that we had in our, our relationship. Early on, Michelle and I got together, I was sharing with Michelle, like, my need for space. Like, Michelle's one of those people that she can spend 20, 24 hours uh, with me where I'm like, we can spend a few hours together, but I need a few hours to myself. I need some solitude. I need time to think and reflect, et cetera, et cetera. Why do I keep saying et cetera, et cetera? I need time to think and reflect. And I was very adamant about having that time to myself because I recognized that if I gave all the time to Michelle, then I definitely would become resentful. And then what would happen is the connection she was wanting from us spending time together, she would not feel because my head would be somewhere else. My head, my body, my soul, my thoughts would be somewhere else and only resentment would be building up. And then she'd be like, well, I don't even like this person, not knowing that that's why, because of the resentment building up. And then she would start feeling like she doesn't want to hang out with me. And then she'd want to break up or I'd want to break up. And then we break up. And none of us having real clarity on what happened. So in order to think about the relationship first at times is to be completely honest, completely honest, not just about what we're thinking, but about what we're feeling. Because you can have thoughts about something and feelings about something. And oftentimes we'll share what we think, but not what we feel. And a lot of times we don't even share what we think. So if you can share, you know, your emotions, for instance, for, for if I were to say to Michelle, listen, I need some time to myself so that I can recoup, recover, reflect, and get some things accomplished uh, because I, I then can be more present for you and for us and then actually enjoy the time that we do have together because I know that I've taken care of the things that I need to take care of. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm open to that. I, I, I'm definitely, it's not that I don't want us to spend time together. It's that I, we need to put boundaries around what that looks like so that both of our needs are met. And it also, and also by having that honest, clear, and direct conversation and communication, it doesn't feel like abandonment or rejection for either side, right? So that was like one of those boom moments. I really felt like today we we got a lot accomplished. And what was interesting also is how we talked about this in couples therapy, how people can flip-flop. There's such a negative connotation on flip-flopping or riding a fence or, oh, you were over here, but now you're over here. And that's what life is. That's what we should be doing if we are evolving. Because as we grow and evolve, right, we're going to have new experiences and new ideas and new thoughts and, and be introduced to new people that, are, that will influence how we see things now. You know, the way you see the world when you're impoverished in the hood is going to be different than when you have millions in the bank and you live in the suburbs, and it's going to be different. You know, your life looks different when you're single versus when you're married, and when you're married versus when you have children, and when you have children versus when you're divorced with children. You know, like 
all these different things can change our perspective. And that's okay. You know, health issues can change your perspective on a lot of things, right? So whether it's acute or chronic or whether you've been in an accident, all these different things can change the trajectory of our lives and change the, 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 the paradigms and ideas and values that we have. Um, so, you know, in therapy, we were talking about flip-flopping and how early on Michelle wanted a lot of hugs. And I was, I was one of those like, what do you need a hug for? You know, but now I'm the one who's like, I need a hug. And Michelle is, is, is busier now. And so I can't get the, the hugs that I want. And, and so we had, we had a laugh about it, you know, of, of how we're able to flip-flop and now, but with that comes empathy and compassion because now I'm seeing how what I need, if it doesn't match with her needs or her needs don't match up with my needs, it, it doesn't make the other person evil or needy or wrong or smothering. It just means that we're, at, we're in two different places. And so we need to have a conversation about how to get our needs met in a, in a healthy way, Right and having a conversation about that. So that, that was a that was a little fun moment in the uh in the, the the relationship conversation. And so the last thing I want to bring up from our couples therapy is instead of you know we just came out the holidays and today is January 4th which is uh, a family member's birthday and, and so I sent her happy birthday and um and she told me what she wanted for Christmas or for her birthday, which is very funny what, what, the, what the ask was. But anyway, um, instead of asking somebody what they want uh, for their birthday, ask them, when do you feel most loved by me? And, and here's the difference. If you say, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? What do you uh, want to sell? It sounds very transactional. It sounds very material. But when we say, when do you feel most loved by me? That gives us a deeper insight as to how to celebrate their lives, how to, what gift to give them, what, how to cherish them, how to honor them, how to love them. When do you feel most loved by me? Because that then there's a, a feeling there. There's a there's just something. It just it almost feels like arms being wrapped around you just from even asking that question. Versus, what do you want for your birthday? It, it almost feels obligatory. Like a, like there's some resentment in there. I don't really want to do this. Tell me what it is so we can get it over with. Um, but when you say, when do you feel most loved by me? You, you'll you'll be I think you'll be surprised, and, and to even ask that of yourself, you know, that can be a, a journal entry for you today. Also, it's like I feel most loved when, you know, A, B, and C, or I feel most loved by my significant other, or I feel most loved by my best friend, or I feel most loved by, you know, and then you can do the opposite of uh, when do you feel the most space between us? When do you feel like there's a lot of space between us. Like we're, we're just not connecting at all. We're not seeing each other. We're not seeing, hearing, or validating each other. 
Um, due to time constraints, I will not. Oh, I did. I covered the Jay Z thing. I covered it enough. That that was that was good. That was that was good. Um, make sure. First of all, thank you for tuning in to another episode. Make sure that you go check out BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. Get that ten percent off. You know, have somebody to talk to. Have somebody to talk to. Have someone in your pocket that will create a safe space for you 24-7. Because, um, you know, we all need that. We, we all need to find our tribe, and we all need to find our person. And betterhelp.com forward slash Leo might, might be that for you. Um, and continue to send me messages, you know. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with me. Um, but, you know, go to leoflowers2000 at Gmail. Send me messages. You can message me on um, Instagram at leoflowers2000. I'm on Twitter. But, uh, but yeah, leoflowers2000. Or just go to leoflowers.com and, uh, and, and check out all things Leo Flowers. I really enjoyed this time with you. I'm so happy to be back. And to be sharing my journey with you. And and I really want to thank you all for sharing the episodes. You know, the fact that I had taken a three-month hiatus and the, the podcast is continuing to grow, um, it, it, it warms my heart. It's a, it's a part of how I feel loved. So continue to listen, continue to share. Thank you all. Continue to love each other. Take some time to yourself. Take some time to yourself. And after this, after this episode, here's what I suggest is please don't put on another episode. Don't jump into another thing. Don't put on music. Take some time to reflect after this. Take a big inhale, a big, and then a big exhale. Oh. Leave some space in between this episode. And the next thing you're going to do, you know, maybe you meditate for a minute or two. Do some box breathing. But take a moment after this episode. And um, you know what? Let's do it right now. Why not? Come on. Let's do it. Let's, we're going to do a little box breathing right now. So we're going to inhale for three. Hold for three. Exhale for three. Here we go. Inhale for three. Hold. Exhale, three. Hold. Inhale, three. Hold. Exhale, three. Hold. One more. Inhale, three. Hold. Exhale, three. And shake it off. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. Call the, uh, the new 988 number or any of the international phone numbers that are listed in each and every single one of the show notes. Check out betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Get your 10% off now. Peace.